so today we have um, kind of a standalone sermon. I like to do series, but today a standalone sermon just because of uh, just some conversations that I've had with some people, some things that the Lord has been uh, kind of showing me and, and pointing me in a direction here. So, um, so I'm excited about the word today. I'm excited about the word today. So let, let, let's go. Uh, first of all, let me let me give you a scenario. You, um, your wife comes to you. Has this ever happened? Your wife comes to you and says, "Hey, we need to go on a trip." Okay, and and you you your answer is, "Yeah, you know what? You're right. We haven't been anywhere. You know, we need to go somewhere. We haven't been to Galveston in a while. You know, maybe take the weekend, a couple of days." Uh, go maybe go over San Antonio, maybe go camping, you know, just somewhere. Yeah, you're right. We should take a trip. Let's do that. And she says, no, 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 no. I want to go to India. Okay. How many of you know you were on two polar opposite sides of what's going on and you need to have a conversation? Okay. Okay. Like you both use the word trip, <laughs> but, but you, you had something completely different in mind than what she had in mind. Okay. And so, you know, what you had in mind was something inexpensive, <laughs> wasn't going to take a whole lot of time, uh, and all this, and what she wanted to do was go on a trip, okay? And so sometimes you, you can say the same word to each other, but you mean it a different way, okay? Those of you who are parents, maybe you can understand this. I've, you know, my, my kids have done this before, especially when they were younger. They come downstairs and they say, can I have a snack, okay? And I say, yeah, sure, you can have a snack. And I'm thinking they're going to go in and get like a Twinkie or something. But then I look over, and they're walking upstairs, and they have a bag of chips, some yogurt, a box of cookies, Thanksgiving turkey, um, movie theater popcorn, rack of ribs, and a chocolate fountain. And you go, whoa, 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 hold on. What's going on? First of all, where'd you get all this? <laughs> and they're like, their snack is they're walking upstairs like that. We got an hour until dinner. Is that anybody else? Is that just my house? Um, <clears throat> and you go, whoa, 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 you said a snack. Okay, so my definition of snack is way different than your definition of snack. So we need to get on the same page here, okay? Some of you have seen the title of the sermon already this morning. Have you seen that? Title of the sermon this morning is, So, You Want Revival. Anybody want revival? All right. What does revival mean? <laughs> Maybe my revival looks slightly different than your revival. We might be using the same word, trip, snack. What are we talking about? When we say revival, what exactly are you talking about? Okay. Now, those of us, there are many of us who have grown up in a Pentecostal church. Not everybody in this room has grown up in a, in a Pentecostal church. So some of us grew up, in a, some grew up in a Baptist church or a Catholic church. You have atheist background. Is that a background? Atheist? Anyway, um, so, so you have different things. And so raise your hand if you've never really said or heard, we need to have revival. Raise your hand if you've never really kind of heard that or you don't know what that means exactly. Okay, I saw one or two small hands. Okay, so it's important to understand exactly what we're talking about. If we say we want revival, yeah, we want revival. What does that mean? What does revival mean? Well, I'm, I'm from Arkansas. Okay, so here's what revival means to an Arkansan. A revival means the premeditated scheduling of church services every night of the week. Case and Jonathan are shaking their heads. That's our Kansan, okay? We're going to have church Sunday night. We're going to have church Monday night. 
we're going to have church Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and if it's a good revival, we're going Thursday night, Friday night. Okay? Come on. Now that's revival. <laughs> okay? And, and that's just, that's how it is in Arkansas. That's what, is that in Texas too? Maybe it's in Alabama and Louisiana and some other places? Okay. That's, that, that's, I don't know where it is all over the place, but that's, that's revival right there, okay? And, and we'll say things like, church was good this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And revival's coming next month. Right? So it's like, you know, we got, you know, revival's in October. It's like this premeditated, you know, and I'm not making fun of it because it, it, it's, it is this thing where we're, we're setting time aside to give glory and honor to God, to see what God wants us to do, okay? And so that's, when, so when someone says revival, that's the first thing that I think. Maybe that's not the first thing that you think. But it's important to, to see what that is. So there's a few people who, last couple of weeks, have, said, have said, said things like that. We need revival. We need revival in this church. I want revival. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and so you hear that, and, and I'm I think I know what you mean. I, I hear you. I want revival. And then we had our missionary, Tim Sutherland, last week. Pastor Tim did a great job last week. And he talked about a revival that happened. And in case you weren't here last week, I'll just briefly tell the story. That God came to a, a pastor and said, I want to have basically revival in your church. And he said, no. He said, I don't want revival. I, I, I like the status quo. I like what we're doing. We're doing some ministries. and blah, blah. I, don't want to, I don't want to do that. And this was weeks and weeks and even months and months where he kept saying no. And finally he said, okay, if you want to have revival, fine, but I'm not doing anything. That's just crazy. Crazy. How, how do pastors, you know. But anyway, so they had a deal where there were several Muslims that came to the, that came to the church on Sunday. And 50 Muslims gave their heart to the Lord. Few weeks after that, there were a dozen the next week, and the dozen the next week, and a dozen, and revival came to that church. And we say, we want that. Do we want that? Absolutely, we want revival. We want to see God move, whatever that looks like. We want to see God move. So let's get into this and look, see what that looks like. And let's pray. We're going to pray today. We're going to see what God has for us in our church, Friendship Church. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of 2 Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. Some of you who know your Bible know exactly what verse I'm about to read. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. If you don't have your Bibles, we have it on the screen for you. This is our main text. I'm going to mention a couple other verses as well. But this is our, this is our main text. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. Seven. Now, the word revival is not in the Bible. Did you know that? The word revival is not in the Bible. But that doesn't scare us because the word trinity and the word rapture is also not in the Bible. And we believe those as well. So that shouldn't scare us. But when it's talking about revival, there's a few areas, there's a few places where it, where it talks about this sort of thing. And so this is one of those places where, where in so, uh, Solomon is dedicating the temple to the Lord. And he's, he's making this big pronouncement and this big prayer to all the people. And then God speaks. And he says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name. So we're not talking about the outside nations. We're not talking about non-believers. Okay? We're talking about God's people in our 
world, Christians. Christ followers, Christ disciples, okay? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. How many of you want God to hear your prayers? How many of you want God to forgive your sin? How many of you, you want God to heal your land? Now that land could be the United States of America, that could be Texas, that could be the Richmond, Katy, Sugar Land area, that could be your house, okay? But he says, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. Now there's not exact formulas with God that every single time if we do this, then God has to do this because we did this, okay? It's not like A squared plus B squared equals C squared, like all the time, right? It's, it's not exactly like that, okay? There's not a deal where, okay, if I pray 30 minutes today, then God will bump me up 5% spiritual points, okay? So it, th- that's not exactly how it works, okay? It, it's not always a, a, a direct, you do this, this happens, and it happens all the time. We talked about this on Wednesday night, where the rain falls on the just and the unjust, doesn't it? Have you noticed that sometimes good things happen to bad people? Have you noticed sometimes that bad things happen to good people? And, and that messes up with our theology sometimes because, well, I've been a Christian all my life. Why don't I have a bunch of money? I don't understand that, but there's some, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've done everything right, and why don't I have this like that person does? And so it's not always a you do this and you do this. However, if we want revival, sometimes we think if we do this, this, and this, then we have revival. Not necessarily. However, if you're going to have revival, there are some things that, are, that have happened in all the revivals that have happened before that preempted that revival. Okay? And that's what we're going to talk about, some of these things. Most every revival has had an element of prayer to it before the revival happened. There was an element of prayer and fasting, which we'll talk about in just a second. Prayer and fasting. There was an element of repentance. <laughs> there was an element of repentance of God's people. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. There's an element of repentance or turning to God's holiness. And there's been an element of love and obedience to God's word. Love and obedience to God's word. There's a few people that know something about revivals. Charles Finney. He said, the experience of revival is nothing more than a new beginning of obedience to God. The experience of revival, nothing more than a new beginning of obedience to God. Obedience. He also said revival can be expected whenever Christians are found willing to make the sacrifices necessary to carry it out. Revival's not going to come unless there's sacrifices on the front end. Now it's not if I sacrifice this and this, then he has to give revival. But we've not seen revival without sacrifice. We've not seen revival without prayer. We've not seen sacrifice without this. A man named Billy Graham, you ever heard of him? Every revival in the history of the world has had an emphasis on the holiness of God. That there's been some sort of 
I'm turning from unholiness and I'm pointing toward God's holiness. Again, we're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about the house of God. I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to us. That there is, an, there, there is unholiness that for whatever reason we have kept in our life and we have turned from that unholiness and pointed our direction toward God's holiness. I love what Billy Sunday said. Some say revival is only temporary, but so is a bath, and I would call that beneficial. <laughs> Maybe it is short. Maybe it's a three-week revival, a two-day revival. We don't, we don't know what it is. It's beneficial, though, isn't it? <laughs> a revival is going to be beneficial. We've, we can look at revivals that have happened even here. You look at the Azusa Street Revival. Charles Parham was a, a part of that. He was actually here in Houston even after that or before that time. Um, some things in Katy. We got the Welsh Revival. How many of you remember the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida? How many of you went to that? I actually did not go to that, but, but raise your hand. I, I'm just wondering, who went to that? Who saw that? That's, from what I hear, incredible. How many of you have heard of that? Raise your hand. You've heard of the Pensacola Revival. In, okay, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So, Pastor John Kilpatrick was the pastor, and what had happened is there was almost a full year where the church was getting ready, they didn't know what they were getting ready for, but they were praying, and there were people who wanted to, on their own, they would come up to the church and they would start praying, and they'd come to the church, they'd stay at home, they were praying for something, they didn't know what they were praying for, and this went on for a few months, and more and more people kept joining in this prayer time, prayer time, prayer time. And then he invited Steve Hill, who was a former drug addict, rehabilitated from Teen Challenge, to preach on Father's Day, 1995, and it fell. What's it? What's revival? What, what is it? It was a move of God that beforehand was almost a full year of God's people praying and turning from their wicked ways and seeking God and humbling themselves. There was a, a full year of it. To where there were 18 straight months. For 18 months, there was a service every single night of the week. 18 months. And then it lasted really about six years. Where they weren't doing it every single night after that. But most nights for six years, this, this revival hit. And people from all over the country, all over the world, were coming to see what was going on. And there was salvation and there was incredible worship. And there was healings, and there was all kinds of stuff. Before it hit, there was humbling themselves. There was prayer. There was seeking God's face. There was turning from wicked ways. So we look at that and we say, bring that here. Bring something here. It's, it may not happen exactly the way that it happened in Pensacola, Florida. It may not happen exactly the same way that it happened in Los Angeles and the Azusa Street Revival. You know, like when we want to hear God speak to us, we're looking for burning bushes, right? God speak to us, we're looking for burning bushes. God only did that burning bush thing one time, okay? So when he does something, he's going to do something different. It's not going to look like Pensacola, Florida, okay? It's, it's going to look completely different. And we have no idea when it's coming. And where it's coming, I just know I want to be involved. I want to be a part of it. 
And so what does that look like? And so if we can get on the same page on, on how God can use us, let's look at some definitions or help us with some definitions of revival. I see kind of three ways that you can look at it, that you can or, or, or define it if you want to. Something that, and this is actually, this first one is, is most often seen in the Bible. Something that is dead that needs reviving. Okay? That needs a revival. Lazarus needed a revival. <laughs> okay? He was dead. He needed reviving. And there are churches who used to run 400, whatever. They're down to 10 people. That church needs reviving. Whether that's new leadership or whatever it is. But there's a reviving part of that that needs to happen. It's something that is dead that needs to be made alive again. Now, what's interesting about this, from a spiritual standpoint, so my pastor, when I was a teenager, was Alton Garrison. Alton Garrison went on to be the superintendent of Arkansas. He was the head for the Sims of God in Arkansas. Then he went on to be the assistant superintendent of all of the Assemblies of God. So he was the vice pope, okay? So he was, so he's second in command for a number of years, okay? So that guy, before he became that guy, was just my senior pastor as a teenager, and I remember a handful of his, his sermons. One, the sermon that I remember the most, I was, I think, 14 years old maybe. He preached this sermon, and I already told you what revival was in Arkansas, right? So he preached a sermon that kind of rocked Arkansas for a little bit. It was the most talked about sermon for a long time. The title of his sermon was, Why I'm Against Revival. So go ahead and... What do you think his three points were? <laughs> Why I'm against revival. So his point, I remember this as a 14, 15 year old. His overall point was from a spiritual standpoint, as we are living our Christian life, we should be growing in the Lord and we should never get to the point where we need reviving. That there should be spiritual maturity that's welling up inside of us that we are growing in the Lord. Why in the world would we back up to the point where we need, quote, need revival? Where we need a reviving? Why would we ever go back to being dead? We're alive in Christ. So we should be moving forward and moving up in our relationship with the Lord. We should never get to the point where we need reviving. I like that. It's stuck in my mind. I'm never going back. I don't want to be dead anymore. So you say, our church isn't dead? No way. Our church is not dead, not spiritually dead. Is the awakened, maybe, are we sleepwalking? Maybe we're not dead. Are we, is there some sort of sleepwalking where we're, we're doing some things? We're walking, we're making some progress, but we're oblivious to the things that are going on around us. And we need to be jolted and wake, waken up and revived to see what's going on around us. Maybe that's what we're talking about. Second thing is we want to have awesome services where we can feel something. That's something of revival. Those are revival services. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Some of us will come to church and we remember a time when the Lord moved and then, I don't know, it's just something, I don't know, it's just not there. Because we're focusing on our feelings as opposed to what about our obedience to the Lord? What about our faith in Christ? Is that growing? Is that the kind of stuff that's growing? And so maybe, maybe 
We need a personal revival inside of us. Maybe there's something going on inside of us that we need reviving. And we just, we don't know what else to say, so we say, we need revival. Because there's something going on inside of us that's not quite right. Our dependence has not been on the Lord. And so we think, well, if I, if I do something and I get some tinglies and some feelings, and, you know, I used to dance, and I hadn't danced in years, and I haven't swung from a chandelier. We don't have chandeliers in here, but I haven't done that. And if I don't swing from a chandelier, then did God even show up? Maybe there's something going on inside of us, and we say, I need to be awakened. Or the second is you want those long, loud church services where you feel something and you start to dance. I love those services too. Been a part of many of them. I remember in, 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 uh, at college, we had a, a guy asked me to do a devotion for our, for, our, for our dorm, and so it's supposed to be just like a 20-minute deal, the whole thing. And we started at 9.30, we were supposed to end about 10, it was just a short devotion, and we were up praying and crying and talking with each other until 12.45 in the morning at, at College of Southwestern. All 25 of us, nobody left. And we were just ta- uh, praying for each other after just a short devotion. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Is it revival if you feel something tingly? Or is it revival if it thrusts us to some more of obedience and to more of sacrifice and to more of what God has for us? Is it a move of God that causes, here's the third one, move of God that causes change and repentance that moves us out and thrusts us into the community to share the gospel? Is that revival? Is there a revival of people outside these four walls. What if the revival in Pensacola, it was so great, and that's what we needed at its time, but there were people that were, that were crowding, going to the church. We're talking about people who were, were outside the church at 5 a.m. getting ready for a night service. Okay? But that was people going to the church. What if the next revival of the 21st century is that the church goes outside the walls? What if that's what God has for us? And God is stirring our hearts to make sure that we humble ourselves, to make sure that we are praying, that we seek God's face, and that we turn from our wicked ways. Back to our verse. And if we do that, He hears from heaven. He will forgive our sin, and then He will heal our land. Isaiah 57 says this, For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. We're talking about God. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and low in spirit. That contrite means repentant. Turn from their unholiness and move to God's holiness. That contrite heart. Listen to this. To revive. Revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. See, it's not do this, 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 and you get revival. But every time there's been revival, there has been some contrition. There's been some repentance. There's been some turning from our wicked ways, our wicked ways, and moving toward God. In the New Testament, the word is more refreshing. But in Acts 3.19, it says, Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Revival. 
that, re- that refreshing that comes. But it's not something that we wait until we get dead and need reviving again. But we repent of what's going on and we're still moving forward. We still repent. Repentance isn't just a one-time thing. Repentance is we, com- we are continually turning from that. We are sacrificing our will. That's where fasting comes into play. You've heard of fasting, yes? In the Old Testament, fasting was a lot of trying to deter God's wrath. Okay, let's just fast so that we can appease Him. In Jesus' times, it was done a lot by the pious Pharisees to show how religious they were. But then when Jesus came on the Sermon on the Mount, He he changed all that. And fasting was this giving up of our will and ourselves and focusing back on the Lord. So typically what we do is we fast food. You can fast other things as well. But we give up, we say, I'm going to give up my lunch. I'm not going to eat, but I'm going to survive on the bread of life. I'm giving up this physical bread, but I'm surviving on the bread of life. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give this up so that I can seek what God has for me. That's what fasting is. We give up of ourselves so that we can look back toward the God. I think when people say they want revival, I think, when people say they want revival... Maybe they just mean they want more of God. How many of you want more of God? How many of you want more of God in your life? Whatever that looks like. If that's a loud service for three hours, great. If that service is for 15 months, great. If that's me getting in my prayer clause or whatever it is, and I, have a, and I turn even more away from unholiness, and I move toward God in holiness, we just want more of God. Here's the thing about more. You have a container that is full of stuff. Easter eggs. It was Easter a few weeks ago. It's full of stuff. And in this stuff, we've got church, and we've got work, and we've got family, and we've got entertainment, and we've got me time, and we've got this, we've got that. We have a full life right here, and we look at this, and we say, I want more of God. We need, we need more blue ones. There's not enough blue ones in here. I want more of God. Well, how are we going to get more of something in here? What's that? You're going to have to take something out. If you want more of God, then you're going to have to take out some me time. You're going to have to take out some entertainment time. You're going to have to take out some, you take this out, and then you put more of God in. So when we say we want more of God, we just want God to do it. We don't want to sacrifice anything. We just want God to do it. Just do it, God. Forget about the year's worth of prayer before Pensacola. Just do it. And that's not what revival is. If you say you want revival, but you're unwilling to change, sacrifice, or repent, then really you just want to dance. Well, then go dance. Great. And you can call it revival if you want to. But if we want revival, if we want more of God, then we have to have less of something else. Does that make sense? We have to take that out. So what, what do we do? Some of it can be simple stuff. We do, we, we do this thing where we look at social media for an hour before we go to sleep. What if we read the word before we went to sleep? Instead of going out and doing these, there, there's so many things that you can do. Don't settle for anything less than the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when we start trying to do all these other things that distract us, and we just want God to do it, but we've got to sacrifice. We have to sacrifice that. He says, if my people who are called by my name, 
will humble themselves. That means I take away my will, what I want to do. And I point toward what you want to do, O Lord. That's humbling yourselves. We pray. Pray! Pray! How do we expect revival if we're not going to pray? We've got to pray. Seek His face. Look at Look, look for God in our community. Look for God in the church. Look for God in ourselves. And that's where we go. That's the direction that we go. And then turn from our wicked ways. Not, well, if they would just get their stuff in order. No, no, no. Turn from our wicked ways. Then God will hear from heaven. God will forgive our sins. God will heal our land. And I would call that revival. I would call that revival. I was praying... On this past Tuesday afternoon, it was about 2.33 o'clock, I came in here to the sanctuary to pray because I'm saying, God, I feel like you're wanting me to talk about revival. <laughs> and so I, I'm asking God, what, what does that mean? What do you want me to say? And I'm, and I'm making laps <laughs> around the sanctuary here. And I come around here and the Lord spoke to me. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was... I felt the Lord speak to me, so much so that I had to stop. So I was walking around, and I stopped right there, almost behind where Terry Leach is sitting. I stopped right back there, and I had to put my hands on the chair because I, I felt the Lord speak. And he asked me a question. And the question was, what do you want? You know, when the, when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says, what do you want? I, I didn't know what to say. So my first answer was, I don't know. <laughs> I said, I, I don't know. What, what do you mean? What, what do you want? And I just, I just stood there for a minute, and I heard it again. What do you want? And I said, I, I want to see a move of God in my life. I want to see a move of God in my family's life. I want to see a move of God in Friendship Church. I want to see our people move out and take this presence of God that we have and move to restaurants and the dentist office and everywhere else. Maybe you can't dance in the dentist's office, but you can have revival in the dentist's office. <laughs> I don't know. And I just began to, what do you want? I, 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 I want to see a move of God. A move, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with these people. I say, I want revival. And I say, I want a move of God. And then I began to get pictures of people's faces in our church. And and words just begin to come audibly out of, out of my mouth of what I wanted as these people's face begin to show up. And I begin to say things like, I want this person to give 100% and not just the 90 that they're giving. And then I said, I want this person to know how much you love them. 
and what happened to them in their past was not God, that was somebody. That wasn't God. And another face comes up and I, I say, I want them to mature in the Lord, to grow. And another face <clears throat> I want them <clears throat> to know who they are in Christ and not be shy about it and not look around at somebody else because someone else is better know who they are in Christ and I just begin to say these words I don't even know everything about everybody but I'm just saying these things what do I want I want our people to know you more know you more if dancing happens great but I want them to know you more and what does that look like and then I'm going to be honest with you go just a little further then in the what do you want question, some worldly things begin to come into my head. Not, not sinful things, but worldly things. Just things in life that I want. And it was just some simple things that I like to do, that I want to do more of. And so I thought I want to travel. I want to play golf. I like watching TV. I believe in being honest with God. And then taking it from there. And as I said those things that I also want, it was amazing how small they became. And I, it made me think of that song. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory. And so that's, that's the question that God asked me. And that's the question that I want you to ask yourself here today. What do you want? This may not be the typical revival service, I don't know. But if you would stand this morning, because I, I, I want us to, to, standing kind of helps us kind of move us into action just a little bit. I want us to find a place to pray. And I want you to ask a dangerous question. What do you want? And then, I want you to be honest. Don't, it's just you and God. Don't be spiritual. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want you to be honest. And then hearing you say things out loud, I promise you, will help. I promise you. And then I believe that the Holy Spirit is holy enough and big enough and God enough to lead you and direct you in what you need to do. So I'd like us all to find a place to pray right now. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What do I want? As if God is asking you, what do you want? Do you want a move of God in your life? Do you, you, know, you know what? I'm not going to give you answers. I want you to ask God, and then I want you to answer. Answer honestly. If you would, right now, find a place to pray. Ask the Lord, and we're going to see what God has for us today. God, I pray that you would be with your church. I pray that you would be with us 
as we ask this question. I pray, Lord, today that we would humble ourselves, that we would pray, and that we would seek your face, and that we would turn from your wicked ways, from our wicked ways, from our wicked ways, God. I pray that you would hear from heaven. I pray that you would forgive our sin. And I pray that you would heal our land. Whatever that looks like, we want more. Help us, Lord.